podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. It is me, Scott Wildcat, with the official co-host of Bosco's Boys, Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup. If you are listening to this, that means something went wrong. Um, throughout all of Blitz Month, there's been a couple weeks where I've done a little contingency episode, which is just me talking, no guests. Um, so if you're listening to this, uh, I mean... Sorry, I don't have uh, anything better um, this week. If, if you're listening to this, it's either on Thursday or Friday. That means either the bonehead prediction extravaganza. Uh, we didn't get the audio back from Spotify. Um, we didn't get it back in time to publish on Thursday. If you're listening to this on Thursday, um, if you're listening to this on Friday, that means one of the interviews I had scheduled for the back end of the week didn't work out. Um, just a little inside baseball. I, I've done one of these contingency episodes uh, a handful of times throughout Blitz Month and haven't had to use one yet. So there's a handful of episodes that will never uh, see the light of day. Um, and it's just, hey, I, I'm dedicated when I said I was going to do one uh, a weekday. Uh, I meant it. So when you're dependent on um, some interviews, if you're dependent on a couple other people, um, sometimes you got to just get a little get a little bonus episode to publish just in case. This one I'm really going to talk about. Uh, I, I did this at uh, you know back in July. Storylines I'll be listening for throughout fall camp, preseason camp. Uh, I'm gonna do one where these are going to be not maybe not the stories I'm looking for. But the stories and storylines, I think, outside of the game-to-game results, preparation, all that type of stuff, uh, just kind of the narratives and stories that I believe are going to be uh, prevalent throughout this football season. But before we do, this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Charlie Hustle. Do you want to look fly at the tailgate? Do you want to have the coolest shirt in Section 7, 23, 423, 236, wherever the boneheads are repping this fall? Well, check out Charlie Hustle. If you use promo code BOSCO15, you're going to get 15% off. That's good until August 31st. And you can even say that in store too. There's storefront on the plaza. Tell them, hey, Bosco's voice sent me BOSCO15 for 15% off. Get you one of the Deuce Vaughn shirts. He partnered with them through the Wildcat Cat NIL Collective, so he's getting a piece of it. Get one of their Fight Song t-shirts. They're the most comfortable shirts in the world. They have all sorts of collections, not just uh, K-State. You know, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, they have the Arrowhead collection. If you're a Royals fan, they have the Crown Town uh, selection. 
They have KC Current stuff, the sporting club stuff for Sporting KC, all your local Kansas City. It's a local Kansas City apparel store. So check them out. Use promo code 15. You're going to get 15% off. Okay, so in this episode, like I said, I'm going to lay out the storylines that I think are going to dominate the K-State lexicon outside of like individual game performances, individual results, because we all know at the end of the day, that scoreboard when the, uh, you know when, when the time shows triple zeros, that's going to always dominate. That's always going to be the number one story. Did they win? Did they lose? And then midweek, hey, getting ready for that next game. But I do think there are quite a few storylines, quite a few topics that are going to be uh, unescapable throughout this entire season. K-State fans are going to talk about it. The regional media are going to talk about it. Um, some of these will get national play. So I'm going to walk them through maybe how I see them going. I would love to hear from you guys. Actually, I, I wouldn't. I, I would prefer the shows that I have scheduled, the shows I have planned, uh, make it to your ears. But if you're hearing this, I would love to get your feedback. I would love to hear the storylines I missed or something that you think maybe I'm making a too big of a deal about and no one's going to be talking about it. I always love that interaction. I thrive on that interaction. So tweet at Bosco's voice, tweet at Scott Wildcat. Let me hear your thoughts on these. I'm going to try to keep it, you know, some offense, defense. Some of them are going to blend together. I'm going to start on offense. And quite frankly, this might be the biggest one, especially in, uh, I'm not going to say national sports media, um, but in uh, college football national media, because this is something you have heard talked about on, you know, uh, you know, all these different college football podcasts, solid verbal, uh, you know, the cover three, cover two, uh, the Yahoo college football sports show, uh, some of the, this stuff behind the Patreon, uh, with Steven Godfrey, um, all sorts of stuff. You, you hear Shahan J. Rajan talk about this on his national appearances, um, Hell, it's been a massive talking point with our friends over on the 1012 network anytime K State gets brought up. And it is Adrian Martinez. Because he's showed flashes of how great he could be, how elite he is. And it's not flashes, he has an elite level of athleticism and football playing skill. He is a very talented quarterback. But due to some of. The mistakes he made during big times at Nebraska due to Nebraska being this lightning pole uh, program. And ever since Scott Frost got there, there is this microscope on Nebraska. And everything that was his Nebraska career, being the career leader in total offense, basically the career leader in passing yards, uh, just a guy who rewrote the Nebraska Cornhusker record books as at a career season game level on so many different stats. Yet the wins never came along. So the, the biggest narrative, and I think the, the thing that is going to be talked about more than any other thing um, outside of case eight circles. If you, if you get into the regional and national media, is Adrian Martinez. Now, is he going to figure out the turnovers? Is he going to figure out, you know, the the quote-unquote clutch gene? All this type of stuff. Is Adrian Martinez going to be the quarterback of a 
football team that is going to a bowl game, that is contending for a trip to Arlington, that is trying to be a top 25 team. All that type of stuff is going to be amplified because of everything that he was and wasn't at Nebraska. Kind of the sub-point to this, the subplot to it, kind of the sister talking point to all of this is Nebraska has Casey Thompson up there, you know, a mediocre at best quarterback at Texas. Are they going to start winning games? Are they going to start winning close games? This is what I'm going to say about that. Don't let anything, um, don't let any success at Nebraska, they could go 6-6 six and six this year. They have a Charmin soft schedule. I'm pretty sure you could put together Acacia 6A All-Star team and you could get at least three wins on Nebraska's schedule. So don't get sucked into that narrative if they go 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five versus a pillowy soft schedule. And let, don't get dragged into the mud with Nebraska fans or even some regional national media if that happens. Uh, because this is the weakest schedule Nebraska's had maybe ever. I mean, since probably some of those super weak Big 12 North teams. Uh, so so don't don't fall into that trap. But that really is going to be um, the narrative around K-State. And I think for the most part, that's going to be the make or break type thing with K-State. Because uh, you, you get good Adrian Martinez. You get, you know, uh, Adrian Martinez who protects the ball. This team is going to contend for Arlington. Zero doubts. If he's given the ball away two times a game, um, if he makes mistakes in clutch moments, okay, then you're looking at a seven and five team uh, instead of you know ten and two. So that's going to be the big one. Staying on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be you know the award hunt, the accolade hunt uh, for Deuce Vaughn. If this if Deuce goes for fifteen hundred yards rushing and five hundred yards receiving with like twenty five touchdowns in case it's ten and two, Deuce Vaughn is going to be getting Heisman votes. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get to New York. I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but if he if he's having that you know those type of stats. You know, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 25 touchdowns, something like that. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that that's over a little over two touchdowns a game. That's a lot. That would be a truly elite season. Um, but it is going to be the hunt. You know, he was a consensus All-American last year. He was a unanimous first-team All-Big 12 player last year. A unanimous preseason All-Big 12 player this year. That's what it's going to be about. You know, again, if you're getting beyond the wins and losses, people are going to be looking at Deuce Vaughn games, and if he only gets, you know, 105 yards from scrimmage, like 60 yards rushing, 40 yards receiving, and one touchdown, people are going to look at that game and be like, what's wrong with Deuce Vaughn? Because that's how high the expectations are for them. And again, it's it's something that we have... Uh, as K-State fans, relish. We, we've all gone to bat. We're, we're doing the Deuce versus Brees Hall, you know, battles on Twitter all last year. You know, it, it is, it's something that I think we relish. You know, hashtag first team Deuce. Uh, we're going to be doing Deuce for Heisman uh, hashtags. We're going to be doing all that type of stuff. 
So that is going to be a massive narrative and storyline and plot points to be following along with this season. I got two more specifically for the offense. Then I'm going to have a crossover and then we're going to get to uh, some of the stuff on defense as well. And this one is going to be, where is Cooper Beebe playing? You know, I talked with Wyatt Thompson, and I think it's the only unsatisfactory answer he gave me as to why would we move a first-team All-Big 12 left tackle uh, inside. That is one of the top three most important positions Maybe in all of football, no matter what the level, is left tackle. And when you have a first-team all-conference guy, a future NFL draft pick, at left tackle, and you are trying your damnedest to move him inside to guard. Again, like I said, I, I wasn't quite satisfied with the answer from wide on that one. Um, and also like truth be told, I'm in, I need to see it to believe it mode with KT Lev. And I, I probably should have had the same expectation for Andrew line gang, uh, before he, uh, struggled. He had, um, some injury issues, kept him out of a few practices. So I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that KT Lev is going to be the other starter on the left uh, side of the offensive line. I, sh- I sure would like KT Love to be the guard instead of the left tackle, but we'll, we'll see when that first depth chart comes out. <sighs> but I don't know. I, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous doing that. Now, you're going to have, if he's playing guard, you're going to have two future NFL draft picks playing at guard for you. And I think there is something to that. I think there is something to be said, okay, you got... Two absolute maulers, two absolute studs, two future NFL draft picks playing at guard, and that's going to give the potential to, you know, get an extra body on that second level on that linebacker to give Deuce Vaughn a one-on-one shot with a safety on a on, on an inside zone play uh, for a home run. So I, I think there's something there, but I still have a hard time doing it. So I'm. That, that's going to be something that I'm trying to key in on as much as I can in those early games. Final one on offense is what's going to happen at wide receiver? Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with death by a thousand paper cuts uh, when it comes to distributing the ball. And we saw that in the bowl game with Coach Klein. Uh, because Malik Knowles is probably not a 90 yard or a 90 catch guy. Although I did predict him, I did predict him to go for 800 yards. Um, which I, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know if I love that prediction. But you know, is Malik and Philip Brooks going to be able to be serviceable? Can Cade Warner uh, kind of be a safety blanket? He, he's not going to be a burner. He's not going to be a home run hitter. But can he be that? you know, kind of Dalton shown security blanket on third and four, you know, settle down right beyond the sticks, catch the ball, go down. And then RJ Garcia, there's so much hype around him. You got transfer wide receiver, JJ coming in. 
can Keenan Garber finally get something to click? You know, what wh- what about Seth Porter? Can he get in there and start start making a little bit of noise? And, and I'll throw Sammy Wheeler, Ben Sennett, and Jackson in here as well. Does any one person kind of take the reins, or is it going to be death by a thousand paper cuts? And here's the thing if you're going to do that. That's all fine and dandy when you're in the second quarter, third quarter, in a tight game. Will someone develop when you have a third and nine? Down by four late in the fourth quarter in Norman, Oklahoma. Is there going to be someone who you toss up a ball, they go up and get it and just decide, hey, I'm guarded, but I'm making a play. So I I do think what happens in the wide receiver room is going to be a pretty big narrative. Now, before I get to the defense as a whole, uh, Actually, no, there's one more. There's one more, because this will be one. Is Colin Klein as a play caller? Now, Courtney Messingham, they had a very efficient offense. If you look at points per possession, points per play, any per play or per drive stats, K-State was a top half of the Big 12. Now, we are super slow. There was some very real and understandable beef with some of the situational play calling when it came to kind of trying to get that extra possession at the end of the first half, try to get in field goal range. When it comes to the passing concepts, lots of option routes made it very tough in the passing game. I get all that. But this is Colin Klein's first full season calling plays. It's his first full season as the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is always the most hated coach on any football team. Um, So you got to try to cut through the fog on that one. Uh, But it is going to be something that I'm going to be watching. I think everyone's going to be watching. And I know a lot of folks don't want to hear this, but Colin Klein has to be pretty fucking good in his very first season to surpass what we saw from Courtney Messingham if you're looking at just the numbers. I know a lot of folks don't like that. A lot of folks are like situational, situational, situational. I get that. I do. But we're, we're talking in this preseason like we want, we want to be in the hunt for Arlington when the calendar turns to November. You know, we want those games versus Oklahoma and Texas to really have some high stakes. And then that game at Baylor, we want that three game stretch to have some very real stakes to it. If that's the case, we have to be, we have to keep a lot of that efficiency while improving the pace, while improving the situational play calls. We have to, we will not be able to take a massive step back in the efficiency numbers and get to where we are all, as we're sitting here in late August, want to be. So it'll be interesting to see how K-State fans treat one of the most legendary players in school history sitting in that chair that is the most hated 
the most hated coach on every coaching staff. It's always the offensive coordinator. Oh, let me say almost always. So this is a blended one and this could have massive impacts on the history and trajectory of K-State sports. Well, of K-State football. I'm not going to pretend this has any implications for anything except for football. But it is the NFL draft prospects of a lot of our high-profile guys. Now, we we started saying this last year, Grant Copeland and I, Wyatt Thompson and I both said this. You need to cherish every game you see Deuce Vaughn play this season. Because I, I didn't flat out say this with Wyatt. But I think there's next to no chance Deuce Vaughn is coming back next year. I think there is a very real chance that Cooper Beebe is not back next year. I think there is a very real chance Nate Matlack is not back next year. Deuce Green, Echo Boydo, Julius Brents, all three of those guys could be NFL draft picks. They're all redshirt seniors. They would all have to use their COVID year to come back. All three of those guys could be NFL draft picks. And and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself at all. But say Nate Matlack goes off and gets 12 sacks this year. He's NFL draft eligible. You know, can Malik Knowles have a big season? Because he has the measurables. He has the size. He's going to run well enough. Can he put some stuff on tape? And get into those late NFL, you know, the the seventh round flyer on a wide receiver. Can he get on some of those lists? Can Josh Hayes get on some of those lists? Similar to uh, Russ East. One year at K-State transfer in, have a big year. I mean, can he get on one of those lists? Maybe. Maybe. If K-State's going to take a, a, a step forward in recruiting, they need to have some of these years where you put five dudes in the NFL. Now, if you're asking me, hey, Scott, do you want all of these guys to go to the NFL or do you want them to all come back, use their continue to use eligibility? I'd say, yes, come on back. Come on back. Don't get me wrong. But... You're going to hear, especially with some of the high-profile guys, Cooper Beebe, Deuce Vaughn, Felix Inudike Uzama, you're going to be hearing NFL draft chatter around these guys all season long. You can find some mock drafts that have Felix Inudike Uzama in the first round. You can find some mock drafts that have Cooper Beebe in the first round. You're not going to find any mock drafts with Deuce Vaughn in the first round. But it's also a business decision. He is a, he's going to be a high-profile player. And I think in the modern NFL, he's going to be able to carve together a little bit of a role for himself. He's not going to have the longevity that we saw with Darren Sproles. I mean, you're not going to see that at all. But his dad is an NFL scout. And truly, the second you become draft eligible, your clock starts ticking if you're a running back. That's just That is just... 
the name of the game in the NFL. And, and when it comes to being an NFL player, it's all about getting to that second contract. That's all about hitting that serviceability time so you can get put on that lifetime pension and healthcare and all that type of stuff. If you're ever a running back who thinks you could get drafted, you should never come back to college football. You should start that clock, try to get that second contract, and try to hit that service time to set yourself up for life. That's just the dirty money and numbers behind it. So again, cherish Deuce Vaughn's this season because I'm telling you this right now. If Deuce Vaughn comes back next season, that means something went wrong with his season this year. And none of us want that. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. And it's similar to what I talked about with Deuce Vaughn. It plays right into that NFL draft conversation. And that is Felix and DK Uzama. A lot of his sacks, rightfully so, this has been some of the, the detractors with them saying, oh, a lot of his sacks came versus bottom half of the Big 12, uh, you know, TCU, Texas Tech, KU. I get it. That's like, I. Th- those are facts. So people are going to be looking at him. He's going to be talked about in every pregame package before kickoff for every single broadcast that's doing a K-State game. He's not sneaking up on everyone. You know the tackles and tight ends and running backs are going to be practicing all week at South Dakota, and then the next week Missouri, and then the next week Tulane, and then the next week Oklahoma, etc., 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 about how to make sure Felix doesn't beat you. Can he overcome that? Can he find the next gear or can he stay at that top gear and hit those comparable type numbers? He was one of the national leaders in force fumbles. He was one of the national leaders in sacks. He's one of the highest returning production guys from an edge rusher. Tackles for loss, all that stuff. So can he match it up? That is going to be maybe the biggest narrative and things that folks are going to be keeping their eye on with this defense. The next one, and I hate to do back-to-back on one position group, but also Nate Matlack. Does he make another jump? Almost everyone is saying he is going to be the dark horse MVP candidate for this K-State defense. There's a lot of hype around him. Rightfully so. He's a couple inches away from getting a couple more sacks versus T- Texas Tech and giving him numbers that are going to put him on freshman All-American list last year. So rightfully, there's a lot of hype. And because of how much attention is going to be placed on Felix, on the downs where Nate Matlack is opposite of Felix, he's going to most likely get one-on-one shots with a tackle to try to get to the quarterback. If he can maximize that, if he can get to the point where teams can't just double Felix every single time down there, that will be massive. And he's going to get those opportunities early. I'm looking for Nate Matlack to have a multi-sack game that very first game versus South Dakota and then get at least one versus Missouri to start off the season, those first two games. I want I want Nate to get three sacks in those first two games and really put the pressure on everyone moving forward to keep an eye on him and not just double and sometimes triple team Felix. 
The next one that I think is going to be a long, deep into the season narrative is the boundary cornerbacks. Okay, still going back to that NFL well. Both those guys could get drafted next year. Can Julius Brents make some plays on balls? He had almost A-plus coverage a handful of times last season, and then wide receivers made plays of their lives to grab the the ball. Now, he, here's the thing. You, you can kind of let that go if it happens once, twice, but it happened quite a bit. Now, I would much rather have a corner who does 99% of the job correctly and he just gets mossed a couple times. But again, if we want to talk about Julius Brents being a first-team All-Big 12 player, if we want to talk about Julius Brents, because he's the prototype, he, with his size, with his speed, with his body, he can be a first-round draft pick. He can be a first-round corner. But he has to make the plays on the ball. So when, when he gets challenged, he has to come down with a couple interceptions. He needs to have some more PBUs. And then on the other side is Echo Island. I mean, is he finally going to get kind of a little bit more widespread recognition? Because he gets targeted per snap for a boundary corner. I think probably less than anyone in the Big 12. So are, are more people outside of our little corner of K-State sports going to recognize it? I mean, I don't know. But again, everything he does tells me he's going to be playing on Sundays. I'd like to see him in red. I'd like to see him in red and gold. And who knows? Maybe there will be a cool Echo Island shirt over at Charlie Hustle in their Arrowhead collection next year. Remember, use promo code BOSCOS15 for 15% off shopping. You can do that in-store or online. The other one everyone's going to be watching is what happens at safety. Now, I'm recording this before we get our first depth chart, but you're going to be playing three safeties, and the three safeties you started are gone. And also that hybrid position with Stubby, the sauce boss, also gone. So the four guys on the field who played the most snaps in roles and responsibilities that resemble safety are gone. Now, Sincere Mason's back. TJ Smith is back. We're going to see what happens. VJ Payne's getting a little bit of love there. Of course, Kobe Savage is going to start there. I think he's the real deal. Is Drake Cheatham coming from Prairie View A&M? Is he going to start? And what's the rotations going to look like? And how long are, is it going to take to have three guys settle in there and really make that theirs? That's the biggest question mark on this entire team. If you were to tell me right now, on August 23rd, K-State can have a top four safety room in the big 12 i'd take it and i would i would say that's that's it's a pretty fucking pretty to get to arlington and then the final one specifically on defense for players is daniel green and it's going to be okay how many tackles can he get he's going to be chasing a little bit of love and accolades himself can he be a first team player i don't know if he's going to uh quite have uh like conference defensive player of the year type season. I, I don't, I don't know if he's, ca- he, he's capable, but, but I, I don't know if he'll quite be that, but can he also stay out of trouble when it comes to 
targeting. We talked to Wyatt. It's going to be less about kind of any helmet at all. It's going to be if you're keeping your head up, if you're not showing the crown of your helmet, um, he's probably going to stay in games a little bit more. I think with that change that Wyatt talked about on the episode that dropped on Wednesday, we're going to see a lot more uh, of Daniel Green out there on the field. Then the, the last one, defensive specific, is this is year two under this odd man front, this 3-3-5, this 3-2-6, however you want to try to call it out, this three-down defense. This is year two. Coach Klanderman, some of the players admittedly say, hey, look, it took a while for us to get up and running. It took a while for us to really get comfortable in that defense last year. Well, there's no excuses this year. And... I'm a big Coach Klanderman fan. But if we can't, you know, take a step forward, if we can't forge it forward a little bit, you start wondering, okay, do we know what the ceiling is for Coach Klanderman as a defensive coordinator? So that, that's all for defense. For the team as a whole and for Chris Kleiman, th- this is what's going to be talked about. And this might not really be something that's talked about in season, Unless things start to go bad, unless things start to set up, you know. I mean, if you go eight and four again this season, if your final record after the bowl game is eight and five, God forbid worse, the narrative is going to start. And it's kind of what we used to tease Matt Campbell, and I still will because the COVID season's fake is what's it going to take to get over that eight-win threshold? Now, he has two eight-and-five seasons, and then the COVID season that's fake and doesn't count for anything. He got there two different ways. Went eight-and-four, lost a bowl game. Went seven-and-five, won the bowl game. But if he goes eight-and-five, or like I said, God forbid worse after this season, you start asking yourself, okay, this is the most talented team he's had at K-State. And he's not able to get over that eight-win threshold. You start kind of scratching your head and say, okay, when is he going to push through? Because while we're all excited for Avery Johnson, I'm guessing he's not going to be a starter as a true freshman, even if he is. I don't think you can expect him, and and it's not just quarterback you'll lose. You're probably going to lose your top three wide receivers probably going to lose your two starting stars at running back. Probably going to lose your two stars at boundary corner. You're going to lose your nose guard, one of your, and you're going to lose a lot, a lot of production next year. So it's not going to be next year that you're going to get over that hump. Then all of a sudden you start talking about, okay, we're getting to year six, year seven, without getting over that eight win hump without getting to nine wins, without having a top 25 season, if you don't get it this year. Now, I'm not going to sound any alarm bells. If we go eight and four and lose a tight bowl game, I'm not going to be running around sounding alarm bells or anything like that. No, I'm not doing that. But you're never going to see, not never, I'm not going to say never, but it's going to take a while before you start seeing Coach Kleiman get some of that love that we all, you know, mock Matt Campbell for getting because he was a media darling because the fact that if you go 
a game over 500 consistently at Iowa State, people look at you like a coaching god because that's how little and low they think of Iowa State. Of course, Kleiman is not going to get that bump because we've we've seen Big 12 championships, you know, to this millennium. We've seen top 10 winning seasons at K-State. So you know it's possible. That's that's why Kleiman has to do more to get some of this national respect. But if he doesn't do it this year, I don't know when it's going to happen. And that's not to say it's never going to happen because I don't believe that to be true. I think Coach Kleiman is going to win Big 12 titles. Yes, titles. Multiple Big 12 titles at K-State before his career is done. But you're going to have to wait a while to have a team that you can truly talk about being contenders for Arlington. It's going to be a few years after this one. So to save him from some of those narratives himself, we really need to get to at least nine months this season. So those are my answers. That is what I see. What I want you guys to do, if you hear this, again, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping the two shows that you that are supposed to drop on Thursday and then the one on Friday happen. But if you're hearing this, let me know yours. Uh, tell me, oh no, Scott, this isn't a story. This is not going to be anything we're talking about all season. Let me know if you disagree. Let me know what I forgot. Let me know what I missed. And let's have a little fun. If you're listening to this, this means next week is game week. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, and for all the boneheads out there, we love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. Feelings growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being. Podcast Network.